Hi everyone, Daniel Ramsey here, the CEO of My Outdesk and the host of Scale the Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to having conversations that unlock the exact formula and strategies multi-million and billion dollar companies use to scale their business. You can visit me on our website at scalethepodcast.com or listen to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Hi, everybody. Daniel Ramsey here from My Outdesk. We're the world's leader in real estate virtual assistance. And today we have Michael Krein here from the NRBA, the National Real Estate, wait, wait, REO, the National REO Brokers Association. He built and founded it, what, 20, 30 years ago, Michael? Uh, about 20 years ago this year, actually. It's our 20th anniversary. 20th anniversary. I love that. Here's the crazy thing he sold more than 30,000 assets for different various financial you know, organizations in his career. He's also the founder of Rio Genesis, which is a software platform that connects everything in the real estate world. It's, it's very unique. So we're gonna talk through that. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Oh, anytime. I love doing these things. I know, dude. It's so much fun. So I'm just going to pick your brain here because let's, let's start out with your story. How'd you get started in the real estate space and how'd you kind of build NRBA? Well, the two different things, really. How I got started is I was doing my undergrad at Stony Brook when I was in school and I really didn't like being broke. And I'd read somewhere that 90% of all millionaires became millionaires and made it in real estate. Yep. So I said, okay, real estate, that's, that's good odds. I like that. So I got a real estate license while I was in school. And I found out that all you actually have to do is work because most agents don't. And within the first six months, part-time, I had made more money than my friends who had graduated college with full-time jobs. Right. So it becomes very, the money becomes very addictive. And if you learn to have fun with it, I mean, it's just a fun business. It right. really is. Nice, nice. And then like, so you got into real estate right out of college and you started selling and buying for folks. How did you land in the REO space? Like, like, and, and then how did you get into that kind of world of actually, you know, creating an industry? I mean, you really have built an entire industry, certified a bunch of people. You've, you call them family earlier. I love that, man. I love that. Those, those folks are like family to you. Yeah. The NRBA, Yes, it's a trade and support group, but honestly, most people would compare it to a cult. Almost okay. all members there, we've known each other 20 years. We help each other. Right. Somebody has a problem, somebody ends up in the hospital, one of us goes and steps in to run their office for them. I mean, wow. it really is a very tight-knit group. We all know each other. We work together. And you have to remember, especially with REO, half your business will come from referrals from other REO brokers because when an asset manager is looking for somebody in an area, the first thing they do is call one of the brokers and say, hey, who do you know over here? Right. So we share a lot of business and we help each other quite a bit. We get together a couple times a year. We have our own annual conference and we actually have more clients at our conference than anybody else does now. Right. Uh, it is a closed conference. It's members only in the clients. Then we have a couple, we call them BDSs, business development seminars a few times a year where we all get together and work on our business. So it's really a very integrated group and it is kind of like a cult, but everybody helps each other and we share our problems or headaches. Hey, how did you fix this? What are you doing with this? Hey, I need some help on that. What do you know about this client? I mean, that's what we do is we all talk to each other all the time. Right. How did you, how did you decide to start that business? Like what was it that caused you to like kind of pull that, those guys together? Well, that goes back to your previous question of why did I get into REO? And it's really simple. It's the only renewable income stream in the real estate industry. Most agents, the rule is you should be spending 80% of your time prospecting and 20% actually listing and selling. Right. REO is the exact opposite because when you prospect or you door knock or you cold call, you're looking for one seller who has one property to sell and then you got to go find another one. Right. When you land an REO client, they have lots of properties to sell and they will keep giving you listings as long as you give, do a good job. Right. You spend about 10 or 20% of your time prospecting and 80% working. Which way do you think is more profitable? <laughs> yeah, I love it. So it's the only renewable income stream in the industry from that perspective mm -hmm. that you can actually build a business model on. So once I figured that out, that's where I was going. Also, when you control a large REO inventory, you tend to have the be best price inventory in town because you can keep cutting prices. 
no matter what the market's doing, where a regular homeowner can't because they're upside down perhaps or have to do a short sale. So we always have the best price inventory, which means we have the best lead generation. So you take the REO, and even though the REO department is very profitable, you yep. treat it like a loss leader for the lead gen and you feed the entire operation from it in your retail business. Right. So is your, is your opinion that you would want to run an REO and retail business kind of in conjunction and, and REO is just a leg, another leg of your business? Is that correct? Uh, absolutely. About 75% of my NRB members own their own offices, some of which are quite large. And honestly, I spend more time teaching them about retail brokerage than I do about REO at this point. Right. Because it was only about 5% when we started. And you mentioned previously, and I was going to kind of segue into that. Why I started the NRBA was I figured out this business was scalable. Uh, There's two things you want in a business. You want it renewable and you want it scalable. Well, REO could be scaled once you put systems in place. Right. I mean, I was doing, when you include the HUD contracts I had, I was doing about 3,400 units a year with a staff of 14. Jeez. It's a scalable business. So I started teaching everybody else how to do it. We formed the group. And the benefit to me, because it was never really my livelihood, but being the head of the largest group in the industry opened up a lot of doors for me. So I've got no bitching about that whatsoever. I was right. able to get any account I wanted because of that position. And if I had to help a few other people along the way, not a problem. Great deal. Right. So um, what's the difference in the for this piece of business, the REO business, like who should think about it as an opportunity for one leg? I was, you know, how I got started in REO is I was an investor guy. Like my, my leg of choice was helping people buy investment properties. And then those people just went away and then the market shifted. You have a unique perspective because you've been through down uh, six different shifts in the market, which is just nuts. So who, in your opinion, should consider REO as a leg of their business? All right, REO is not for everybody. From, and if you're talking about an agent or a broker, I'm gonna give you two different answers. Yeah. As a broker owner, yes, you should have an REO BPO department in your office. If you don't, you're insane. BPOs run at about a 58% profit margin. Compare that to a supermarket at less than 3%. Right. Yeah, so everybody goes, oh, I'm not doing these $50 BPOs. You're running a 50, 60% profit margin. Are you insane not to? Right. One member that nets over 100,000 a month just from their BPO departments. Right. There's that much business out there. So setting up a BPO department, incredibly profitable, very easy to set up, and it's 30-day cash flow. It's right. not like you have to wait for closings. Most of the clients pay quite well and quickly. So you can use that cash flow to build your entire operation. You can fund a recruiting program, expand. Right. Now that goes back to the REO department in that the more BPOs you do, the more REOs you will get because your BPO is really a form of advertisement if you look at it right and do it correctly because it's gonna end up on somebody's desk when that property defaults. So it's a way into it. So those have to be run together. They're very easy to set up. Matter of fact, for a BPO department, I taught that at a seminar live a while back. We actually have it up on Free Broker School, the entire four hour presentation, everything you need to know to set one up. It's up on the FBS site. Got it. Okay. So let's, let's, uh, since you're giving free stuff away, let's mention that site um, specifically. What's the website again? All right. That is freebrokerschool.com. Okay. Freebrokerschool.com. It was one of my retirement projects because I was bored. Yep. So I started recording all these videos and I was teaching everywhere and getting invited everywhere. Yep. But everything you need to know about real estate that no one else will ever teach you. Right. I understand something. I'm retired. I could care less what people think of me and I don't right. have anybody to compete with. So I'll give it all away. Sure. Also, and I'm not going to say this about all real estate trainers, but honestly, I hate most of them. Right. And I've been on stage and worked with pretty much everyone in the industry over the years. But there's a lot of problems when you're a real estate trainer, one of which, and this is kind of my pet peeve. Uh -huh. And they're not all like this, but there are enough of them that are that it bothered me. You know, a real estate coach or trainer is not there to make you successful and understand why. They're there to help you, don't get me wrong, but they're gonna help you just enough to keep you paying them. Because if they ever taught you everything you need to know to make you to be successful and self-sufficient, you would no longer pay them. Right. That is their business model, don't kid yourself. And some of them are very good at it. Now right. there's others that really do care, okay, and want you to be successful, but understand the business model. So that it always annoyed me. Like there's one program I have up on Free Broker School and it's something, it's a twist on the system I learned 30 years ago and it works. 
right. but no one will teach it. Because if you actually use it, you will never need anybody ever again. That includes your own broker. You'll be fine. Huh. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll talk about that real we'll quick. Because that, that actually works. So you understand that had always bothered me. So when I retired, I said, to hell with it. So I've got a couple hundred video lessons up there. I've got a forms library. I've got cheat sheets. Pretty much anything a broker agent would ever need to know. And in about two weeks, we're launching a new series. And it's going to be 10 minutes a day to a seven-figure income. Just We'll give you every tip and trick. It's called the tips and tricks. 10 minutes a day, you'll learn everything you need to know. Because real estate is not about working hard. It's about working smart. And most real estate agents in hell, unfortunately, some of the brokers are worse, really don't know what they're doing. They were just, nobody taught them correctly. And they don't like to learn either, which is kind of a problem, but that's the agents. Yeah. I love it. Okay. If you're listening right now, please let's put those, um, that website in the notes of, of the show. So people can just click and, and jump in there. You know, Michael, one of the things, one of the crazy things that, um, the reason my outdust was born was cause I was an REO broker and my asset managers started telling me that I had to do a weekly report and I had to do drive-bys and the BPOs and all the paperwork that was associated with it. So I actually hired somebody from the Philippines to actually do all that back office stuff. And then all my other REO friends in the industry, guys that I'm sure you know, started saying, hey, Daniel, where'd you get that virtual assistant? Like, how can you help me get a couple? And so we built basically an entire industry of helping people with leverage. In, and we started in the REO space because back in 2008, when we launched this business, that was the only business out there. And so if you're listening right now and you want to have more information, you can text MOD, M-O-D, to 31996. Um, but we're going to keep going deep with you, Michael. I want to understand, um, you know, this isn't for everybody. I love that you say it's a scalable business, REO, but how would somebody get started if they've never done it before? Like, what's, what are the, what, what are the, what's the steps? All right. You're putting me in a really bad position here. Because oh. as head of the NRBA, I train all of those members. Sure. And I help them and work with them. Yep. They pay to be a part of that group. So okay. I'm very careful what I'm allowed to say outside of that group. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. But my best advice would be, well, a few things. REO brokers require a very specific skill set. You have to understand the legal aspects from the eviction to taking yep. property, understand yep. how to do a cash for keys, you also have to have your own accounts to get the utilities on. You also need a good construction background because you have to call the work scope and manage the contractors. Yep. It's a lot of work, but with using virtual assistance like you provide, that's actually pretty easy. Yeah. It's not worse than it is once you get it set up and organized, but you have to have that entire skill set. Understand listing and selling the property, that's the easy part. Right. Okay, so you have to have that skill set behind you. Yep. The other thing is um, with over probably half of the clients, you're going to lay out the expenses. Mm. So if you don't have the money for, to cover these properties, the rehabs, the cash for keys, the utilities, I mean, at one point on any given month, I had 2 million of my own money floating. Right. Waiting to be reimbursed. Right. But again, I scaled up quite large. So make sure you have a decent bankroll. That's one of the reasons why I think it's a lot better sometimes if the broker owner has the department. Right. If they can set up the utility accounts with bonds rather than deposits, which is cheaper. I mean, there's a lot of intricacies to it. But for an individual agent, the best thing I could probably tell you is go work for an REO broker and learn the damn business. Hey, everybody. Daniel Ramsey here, and I want to tell you about an extraordinary offer to take action and start scaling your business right now. You know I get a lot of questions about how to grow your business, generate more revenue, and reduce expenses, and the answer is simple. It's My Outdesk Virtual Assistance. My Outdesk offers five-star virtual assistant services to thousands of business professionals across the United States and making our clients over $100 million in net revenue every year. Our customers absolutely love our virtual assistants, and I wanna give you the opportunity to learn exactly why. Simply text the word M-O-D, MOD, to 31996, and we're going to give you a free double my business strategy call 
where we work one-on-one -on -one with one of our business growth specialists to design an action strategy for growth and cost savings in your business. We're gonna give you over 20 growth and strategy guides, a market force personality indicator, an important business checklist, and hiring guides. My Outdesk admins can help manage your office, your sales, your marketing pipeline, and even help you lead generate and follow up. And during this call, you'll learn exactly how you can put them into your business right now. So again, text MOD to 31996 and get a free double my business strategy call right now and learn how my outdesk can transform your business today. Right, right, right. Well, we, and we've got a link to the freebrokerschool.com here. Um, so if, if you wanted to kind of go deeper and learn a bit more about Michael and what he's done and what he's actually giving away, I think that's a great spot to jump onto. Um, Michael, you had mentioned, you know, you did Rio too. So real estate information. What's the, what's the O for? Organizer. Organizer. Yeah. Yeah. One of the challenges in our industry is no tech companies can ever get on the same page. So you have like 50 bazillion. I mean, you'd think they just play together nicely. Like this would connect with this and that would connect with that. And they all think that they're going to build the one system that the entire universe is going to use. Um, so yeah, you did. You actually built it a, a while ago. So let's talk about that real quick. What, talk about Rio. How'd you get started in that and what does it look like? Well, let me back up a little bit and kind of foreshadow it so people understand. Sure. Back somewhere around 2000, I think I was the first real estate broker in the country to put a computer on every person's desk. Okay. Okay. Every agent, every staff person had their own computer. We ran our own network and we drove massive efficiencies that way. So we were one of the early adopters to technology. Yep. I beta tested a lot of the software you talk about it. Like if you look at Equator, I have the fourth number ever issued because I was one of the beta testers for it years ago. Gosh. So I know all of them. So I was very heavily in technology. Then when we had our operations, um, the numbers are kind of gray depending on who's you're quoting. They say the average realtor does six to eight transactions a year. That's kind of a misnomer yep. because it's skewed by the top producers doing 30 and 50 and 100 like my people. A lot yep. of people do more than that. All right. But so the mode which is the most frequently occurring, it's probably about 3.5 transactions. And if you own an office and you're budgeting out and looking at your per agent production, 3.5 is a good number to budget off of, right. right? In my operation, our per agent production was 14.7. Hmm. That was done with technology, right. right? And also understanding to use technology to do the things that agents will not do for themselves. There's certain things agents hate, like prospecting. Yeah. Okay. And there's a lot of things that agents don't like. If you take away the things they don't like and use technology to do that, you're going to see a massive increase in production. Right. So we're very heavy on technology from day one, probably more so than any other office in the country. Spent a fortune on that. Yep. And at one point, I think we we're running 450 computers and 16 different servers Jeez. around the entire operation. Jeez. But my people were three to four times more efficient than anybody else. So it could be done. Where Rio came from, a couple of things that really, I tend to do more. What motivates me usually is getting pissed off. If I'm pissed off, that'll make me go do something. Okay. Okay. That's kind of how I function in life. Yeah. I didn't like being poor as a kid. So I was pissed about it. Yeah. And I didn't want to have to tell my kids that I couldn't afford to buy them a bike. Right. Okay? So I was angry about that. And that's what really what drove me to be successful. I was not going to be like that. Sure. So it was the same with the software. The majority of the software products in the real estate industry fall into two categories. These are old, outdated technology that should have been rewritten 15 years ago. Right. Or they were written by a bunch of geeks who had no idea what the real estate industry was about. They go, hey, let's go tell these realtors this is what they need. Right. And they market the hell out of a lousy product. Right. So when I was running my operation, again, the volume we we're doing was pretty insane. I have yet to meet anybody who did more on a per person basis size wise. Um, I was probably running at any given time, eight to 10 different software products, everything from lead generation to lead management, to paperless, right. to back office operations, to accounting, to tracking the agents. And we had all that. So I was running like eight to 10 different things. So now you got to buy 10 different things. Then you got to cross train your staff on 10 different things. 
and God forbid I wanted to report, I'd have to have somebody go pull data from five different places. Right. It made me insane. So right. we started building our own system. And that kind of evolved into Rio Genesis. And we had to add the Genesis because Rio was a trademark issue. Otherwise, we would have kept it simple. So what we did is we actually, there's about 116 different software products we track. And we look at all the functions and features in each one, and we put them all inside Rio. Whether you're an agent or a broker, it is everything you will ever need. From paperless, we have our own e-signature platform. You don't need DocuSign anymore. It's already integrated. Why go outside right. a system? Right. Flyers, CRM, drip campaigns, back office, paperless. We have every single thing you could ever need. We put it in one place. Huh. I mean, we even have online offer management where the other agents, when they're putting an offer on your property, and this is kind of cool, they'll actually submit the offer online to you. And the reason for that was a risk management tool. If you're a broker and agent, you've either been sued or you're going to get sued. Deal with that fact. Yep. 80% of all litigation, board complaints, arbitrations will all originate at the offer stage. So the online offer submission to track that, they time, date stamp, and all that, keep the forms correct, was actually a risk management tool because it eliminates 80% of your risk. So brokers right. love that. Funny thing happened is because Google started indexing the pages, we had consumers making offers on the property directly because they're used to it from all the auction sites. So sure. it turned into a lead generation and it's not just lead generation. Anybody can get a lead. You've got a buyer who makes an offer. You've got a sale. Right. That's sufficient. Forget working leads. Get an offer. Yeah. Some cool things happened with it. So we put everything in one place that an agent or a broker will ever need all integrated. And it also allows for the title companies, the appraisers, the lenders all to work together and keep your transaction flowing because the system is smart and it learns. See, one of the biggest problems and why realtors don't adapt technology enough is whenever you buy a software technology product, you must work the business model of the software. Right. Okay. Right. That made me insane also. So we made ours completely flexible right from the ground up. You can make any change in the system. You can change titles, words, logic, workflow. And if you do this, then it tells me to do that. So it tracks the entire transaction and knows what should happen next. And because every broker operates in a different state, under different state laws, under different realtor board rules, the system right. had to be customizable. Nobody had done that before. See, we were operating in multiple states. So I had to have a system that could be adapted for the different laws and rules. Right. But once you set it up, it knows how a transaction flows and tells everybody what to do. It's really pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Nobody's man. done that before. It, has anybody done it since? When you, when you... Nobody's even close. The one thing we did, and I'll be very honest about the problems, our transaction engine is the most powerful in the industry. It just, we got lucky. It came, sometimes things go right. It actually came out better than we hoped. The system was so powerful that agents and brokers, it was just too much for some of them. Because agents are not the most technologically savvy. They're really not. Right. But we just spent the last year redesigning a user interface, and we gave all the agents and brokers big, bright, shiny buttons, <laughs> all the tasks, and we added artificial intelligence and logic into it. You're actually getting the new version will launch in October. It's uh -huh. fully mobile, big bright buttons, and you can talk to it and tell it what you want. I love it. Nobody's done that before. So we're really excited and that'll be out in October. Awesome, awesome. You know, before we went live, we started talking about the REO market is actually kind of shifting again. Like it's, it's coming back. We're already in that space. You have a unique perspective as you're in the front lines of that and you've been through six different shifts. So talk to me a little bit about what's happening right now and you know, what somebody should do to prepare for the future. All right, well, a couple things. See, there's always REO. People just realize it when there's a lot of it. But typically in any given market, the three to 4% of all properties are REO in one form or another. You don't realize it because the banks, especially the hedge funds and private equity groups who actually control the REO, it's not the banks anymore. Um, they buy the NPLs and sell them they don't allow you to call it an REO or foreclosure. So if you're searching MLS, try to figure out how much there is, you're not gonna find it that way. The other thing you have to understand, whenever you read real estate data in different articles, magazines, it's not that they're wrong, it's just they're dated. Right. Remember when a property goes into contract, it may not close for 90 days, and then it may not get reported publicly for 30, then the internet websites scrape the data and republish it, most of the data you're seeing is really six months old from when that transaction actually started. Right. 
most of the data you're seeing is six months out. Understand that. And then a lot of it is not published. So in any given time, you can count on, even in a normal market, three to 4% of that market is REO. Right. I mean, there's very few brokers that wouldn't kill to have a three to 4% market share if they're in a major metro area. That's actually a pretty good sized number when you think about it. Yeah. Last time we ran LA County, I think year to date, there'd been about 1900 REOs there already. People don't realize it, but it, it does exist. So I have two advantages. One, well, three actually. I'm working with the clients constantly, so I know what their flow is because we assign a lot of those properties to the members. Also, you know, with the NRB members out there, it's, it's kind of like I got my own little CIA network that sees everything first. Yeah. I get that data. But also, now, at Rio Genesis, we don't sell data. Okay, so the information is confidential, belongs to the brokers who use it, and agents, but I can see the patterns in the transaction count, and I can see when an offer was accepted, time on the market. So I can actually see the data in real time, whereas the other day, it's, it's six months old. So does right. that make sense? Everybody gets that? That's part of the problem? For sure. Okay. Now, what's going on with the REO markets right now, forget national economies, forget regional. You're dealing with micro economies, individual markets, and they're very different. So if you're an agent or broker, don't go by what the national statistics are. They're not going to help you in particular. What is driving the markets are relocation patterns, and this is what I track all day. Okay? Right. We're looking for where the default rates are increasing. So you have states like New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut. Connecticut is losing massive amounts of population. They're going to Florida, Arizona, the Carolinas. So you have these markets where people are leaving. I mean, you have over a million Californians leaving every year. Right. Okay. And it's not the lower end. We're going to get to that. All right. You've got states, Illinois is losing more than that. So you have certain markets where people are leaving. So the market is softening and a lot of them are defaulting because there's still quite a few people upside down on their properties. So the default right. rates are going through the roof. I have NRBA members in the Northeast that are all carrying a couple hundred assets right now. Wow. All right. So there's a lot of it. But then you go to a market, Phoenix would be a great example. Phoenix is an incoming relocation market. People are moving to Phoenix. Right. There's almost no REO there because the market's quite strong. So the markets, including the default rates, are being determined by relocation patterns. So you have to look at your own market are you an incoming market, an outgoing market? And then you can kind of see what's going on. How do you find that data, Michael? Because um, one of, you'll love this story. So I was a real estate broker. I thought I was rich in 2005 and six because the market was just like this, you know? And I was a kid. Yeah, I was a kid. I was in my 20s. So I'm like, I'm rich. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the REO market, you know, slaps me in the face, defaults everywhere. And literally, we had a 90% drop in our revenue in one quarter. So mm -hmm. as a real estate broker, I was like, I've I'd never experienced 90% drop. And this is, this is when I had hired my first virtual assistant. I had started building, like I was a broker and all that. But the mistake that I made back at that time was I didn't track numbers. Like I didn't know what was going on locally in my market, statewide on a national. So for people who aren't actually tracking the market, what are some of the stats that you think are important? Um, start looking at DOMs. Okay, before we go that far, you have to look at something a little further. For the first time ever, we have really segmented markets. Yep. Okay, you've got bifurcated markets, some are trifurcated. If you look, I'll take Las Vegas because I happen to live just outside of Vegas. In the lower end, anything under 300,000, multiple offers. Yep. Anything five to seven, maybe you'll sell it in a couple of months. Anything over a million, you can't give away. There is no demand for it. Right. Okay, so understand that's happening in a lot of markets. And the interesting thing about the default cycle this time is the average sales price of an REO should be 20 to 30% below the median for most yep. markets. It's actually 20 to 30% above the median. So what it is is a mixture problem. Instead of low-end properties foreclosing and being defaulted on, it's the higher-end properties that are defaulting. It's the jumbo loans. So a lot of my members, they're getting you know, multi-million dollar listings on a regular basis because that's where the defaults are actually occurring, is in the upper areas. And if you look at your own market, look at the low end, look at the mid segment, look at the high end, then target your business, okay? There's like right now here in Vegas, if you try to give me a $2 million listing, keep it, I'm not gonna sell it. Give me three $300,000 listings, they'll be gone in a day. Right. What's easier? Agents have to work smart based on their own market. So you have to look at your own market look at the inventory, look at the DOMs, look at the price differentials and get a feel for it. 
spend your time and your marketing dollars on where the stuff is moving. So if you're an incoming market like Phoenix, you know, are you gonna go out and take buyers around all day where they have to write five offers and they still don't get a property? Right. No, let the dumb agents do that because that's a waste of time. You be the one that controls the listing on that property where it sells, that you're getting the five offers on. Change right. your focus. If you're in some of the other markets, like in the Northeast, certain price ranges, you can't give those houses away. Don't right. list them. List the price points that are moving or start working the buyers where there's inventory. By that same token, if I was here in Vegas, you give me a $250,000 buyer, I'm not gonna waste my time. I'm never gonna get him a house, all right? right? There could be 10 offers and everything in that price range. But if you give me a million dollar buyer, I know there's tons of inventory for that. They can have their pick. Right. So pick and choose, work the listings and the buyers as per the market segments and what it really is. That's efficient. And pay attention to what's happening in your market in the different price kind of strategies. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, okay. Hard. Where? Hard. Yeah, what, um, so what stats should a real estate broker know other than what's happening in their market on a national level? And like, what are some of the stats that you guys track as REO brokers? Um, we track the default rates and we track the portfolio sales. And it's not really that we track the national market per se. What we're looking for is the REO really isn't with the banks anymore. That's a misnomer. Right. When a loan goes into default, it's called an NPL, a non-performing loan. Well, because the way the banks are capitalized and structured, it costs them more to keep that non-performing loan on the books than it does with cap reserves. That's banking 101. It's another another day that's for another that. that's another yeah, webinar banks really work yeah okay? just understand that banks are basically highly leveraged casinos okay <laughs> they're risk averse casino never loses neither to the banks if they're smart yeah. but so what's happening is they're taking these defaulted loans where people are no longer making payments known as npls non-performing loans and they're selling them off to private equity groups and hedge funds primarily wall street firms right. so then banks aren't really the ones foreclosing they don't want to be bothered with that now, the private equity groups, the hedge funds, they're not under banking laws. They're not banks. So they can handle these very differently than the banks can. It's not like CFPB applies to them or HUD or RESPA in a lot of respects. Right. So it's just a shift where they can afford the risk and the headaches the banks can't. So what we look to do is track the portfolios and who they end up with and then go to that client. Got it. So I'll give you one secret. The quickest way to never get an REO listing is to ask an asset manager, hey, do you have anything in my area? The only thing you've accomplished is telling that asset manager you're an idiot. Right. Because here's the thing. Even the asset managers don't know what they have coming in next. Yeah. And if you're a good REO broker, you would know that too. Okay. So to ask them if they have anything, you just told them you're stupid and you'll never get an account that way. And that's my one secret I'll share with you today. Okay. Right. So what, we, do you, what do you ask them? You basically don't ask them. You offer to provide a service. And I'd say, Daniel, look. I know you got an agent that handles your stuff here in the area. That's great. If you love them, they're a good guy. Don't ever knock a competitor. That's dumb. But let me tell you, if you ever need a backup, you need to cover anything for you, I'm here for you. Let me know what you need. Right. You make an offer of value. You don't ever knock the other broker and you don't ask them if they have anything. You just assume they will because going back to tracking those portfolios, they're all over the country. Right. Never, they don't even know what they're going to get next. They're buying these large pools with stuff everywhere. Sure. So, okay, let's break it down because I think it's important for your audience to understand how the industry works. So what happens is the bank originates the loan. They have a default. Maybe they keep it on their books. Maybe they sell it. They have a default. It gets sold to somebody in Wall Street. And then those people are the ones that actually assign them to an REO kind of servicer. And then they're the ones who give them to the broker. Is that a good breakdown of how it typically works? Yes, it's a little oversimplified. It would have been accurate a couple years ago. No, you're not wrong. But there's been some changes in there that we're seeing. Um, typically, the servicer does control the REO. Yep. Not always. Sometimes there'll be an outsourcer that takes the REO for that investor, being the sure. fund that owns it. But what we're seeing is something really unique now. Um, and this is getting more and more typical. The funds who actually control the notes on these properties and now own the properties, yes, they'll have their servicer here. They may even have their outsourcer there, but they're actually managing their own broker network for transparency reasons. So we're dealing directly with the hedge fund, private equity, whoever owns the note, and they'll say, yes, so-and-so is our outsourcer, but you're our broker. 
So yes, you'll answer the outsourcer, but you report back to them simultaneously. That's something that's just recently occurred in the last two to three years. It's because they want the control to make sure that the broker isn't screwing them. Is that, I mean, I'm honestly, right? Yes, it is. Yep. Cause there was a lot of dirty stuff that went on in the last downturn. So <laughs> I think that's a, they've all, the guys who buy these notes, they're brilliant numbers guys. They're wall street guys. But when they first jumped in, they didn't really know real estate. Some right. of them were actually finding agents on like realtor.com. And when right. they, that agent couldn't even spell Oreo, they got screwed. They came to us once they found out about us or we reached out to them. So yes, it's a lot more transparency. So it's not that you have to be with the different platforms that the outsourcers control. You know, those are the online platforms to manage REO, but you actually have to be with the investor in their database because they are dictating the broker and controlling the broker network itself. Yep. That's relatively new over the last two to three years. I love it. Well, Michael, you're, you've been awesome today. And I, I, I'm, before we keep going on this interview, I want to stop and just let our audience know that my outdesk actually has a book. I love what, Michael, you said scalable business. I love it. Our actual book is called scale with virtual <laughs> professionals. So it, it actually is a step-by-step -step process of how to add virtual assistance into your real estate business and actually grow a business. Cause you know, we're all stuck in that, that rat race of sell, 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 sell. And we don't think service. We don't think operations. We, we need more people pounding the phone because I, you know, most agents don't like to prospect. So if you're thinking about hiring a virtual assistant, just text SVP to three, one, nine, nine, six, you're going to get a free copy of that book along with a consultation where we'll walk you through everything you need to know about growing and scaling a business with virtual assistants. Um, Michael, what are some of the things that um, are, um, you know, like traps for agents who are thinking about REO as an option? What are some of the things to avoid? Well, I'm going to actually piggyback that into what you just said, your little infomercial. Yeah. Agents don't understand. And for the typical agent, you want to assume your value is $300 an hour. Okay. And let's do the math. Let's just be ultra conservative. Right. Average sales price at 200,000, which is low. Right. 3% on that is six grand. Okay, what's your split is, whether you're 100%, whatever, we'll call it six grand. A typical transaction will require, for an agent who is what they're doing, they're organized, will take somewhere between 10 and 20 hours is what time you'll actually have into it. That's about right. So let's just call it 20 hours. Okay, that's $300 an hour. Anything that could be done for less than $300 an hour that you can pay somebody less than that should not be done by you. Right. That's business 101. Yeah. So if you can pay somebody 20 bucks an hour to do your paperwork, do your filing, enter your MLSs, your ass should be out there getting another $6,000 check, not doing that. That's right. the only way you will ever scale. It's the only way you will ever have a life. And so for you listening to this out there, your value is $300 an hour minimum. I used to calculate mine at 1500. Yep. And anything less than that, somebody else did and I paid them. Yeah. Okay? So that's how it has to be done. That's why assistance is so important. And virtual is great because you don't have a payroll to deal with every week. Well, and you don't have to worry about getting them an office or payroll or health insurance or any nope. of that. We all handle that for you. You know it's you know it's crazy. I'll just I'm NAR says that it's 45 hours to close one transaction. So I mean, it's nuts how many hours of, because really an agent should only be getting a deal, negotiating a deal, and then closing the deal. Those are the three things. And that takes about two or three hours, maybe four, and everything else can be leveraged off. Well, it depends how you calculate. And keep something in mind, there's about 2.9 million real estate licenses in this country. Yeah. NAR is carrying what, 900,000 right now? Yeah. Okay, so understand they're only looking at one third of the industry when NAR puts out a report from their own people. Sure. According to NAR, last, one of the things I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong, because maybe I am, but I think it was like half of agents that are licensed and realtors didn't even sell anything last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't go by those numbers. Right. right. But realistically, any agent, once you learn a few tricks and know how to deal with things. Sure. Okay. And that's really what the free broker school tips and tricks are about. You shouldn't be spending more than 10 hours of transaction. You really shouldn't. Right. Okay, 45 is way too high. It's just inefficient. Yeah. NAR. Who knows? Yeah, um, I don't know. So let's, let's talk about those things though. What are, what are some of the trap doors to avoid or sand pits or tar pits or whatever? Like what are some of the things uh, as a real estate, 
you know, broker or agent, we should know about the REO industry to avoid or, or kind of watch out for? Um, there's a lot of scams. Yeah. Tremendous amount. One of the things we do is we keep the NRB members informed of all the scams out there. Um, a lot of times you'll get lists of asset managers that'll be offered to be sold to you. Don't pay for them. They're scams. I can tell you right now, there's about 150 legitimate REO clients right. spread out right now. It's no longer like five big banks. We track all of them. We know who they all are. We keep a list of them. We have relationships with them. Yep. All right. That's all there are. All right. So anybody selling you a list, it's bullshit. Sorry for language, but do not pay them. <laughs> the next thing is there is not a legitimate REO client out there that will charge you money up front. Occasionally, you may be asked to join a platform, one of the legitimate ones. Rio, we have an REO platform, as well as our broker stuff. Pyramid, um, Equator, ResNet. Okay, yep. that's legitimate. Okay, there are other platforms out. They'll tell you to charge a platform that doesn't really exist, and they're hitting people for 400 bucks at a clip. There is one company in Illinois, another one out of Salt Lake City, one group, I should say. They change their name every three months, and they send out a million emails saying, send $400, and we'll guarantee you a listing. Okay? Do not ever pay for that. And if you're unsure whether a company's a scam or not, email me at the NRBA. My info is right on the website of Free Broker School. You can find my email. I'll be more than happy to tell you before you spend your money. Yeah. That's the ridiculous. Now, the, one of the ways you can identify a scam website is they're usually instant websites, like out of a box. Yeah. And you can tell they're a boxed website. But about two months ago, some of these scammers, and it's the one out of Salt Lake City because they've been around a while. And obviously, they're making good money at this because they keep doing it every three months. So obviously, right. they're falling for this. But they're actually copying legitimate REO asset management firms' websites. They're copying the entire website word for word and changing the name where it's very similar. So you Google it, well, it creates some problems because when you, because these are real web pages and real websites that are copied, it's just a duplicate fraud site. Google indexes the pages. So when you search for REO asset management, it shows up like it's legit. Right. It looks like a legit site and the name is close enough where you go, oh yeah, I've heard of them. They're real. I'll sign up with them. Right. They're not. They're right. getting very good at this. Huh. So any of you, you're ever asked for money for an REO, you don't know if the company's legitimate, Call me, email me. I'll tell you, I just cannot stand watching agents get screwed. And we like yeah. to shut these places down. Yeah, because it's making the whole industry look bad. What is, um, okay, so the real question, I can tell you, we, we've got a lot of people watching us live right now. But what's the real question they're all wondering is, how do they break into REO? Like, that's the real question. I know, and it's putting me in a position where I can't really talk about that because of my role with the NRB. I have to help those people first, and that information is confidential. Yes. I will tell you this. Make a lot of friends. Get to be friends with other REO brokers. That's where half your information and referrals and your business will come from. It's all about networking. Second thing is do a lot of BPOs, but also know who you're doing them for. Right. Okay. Anybody, if you've got a clue and you understand the basics of the business, you know, you can spend some time on Google and you can figure out who some of the actual clients are. And there are some forums out there. Be very careful. Some of the REO forums that are out there You've got people that are part of these REO fraud schemes chiming in there, putting fake messages. Oh, this is a great company. They just gave me three listings. It only cost me $300. They're <laughs> actually putting fake messages in the chat rooms. So yeah. be careful of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, if you've got some REO experience, now understand the NRBA, we don't take newbies. We cannot. Right. The, the clients use our database first is because we guarantee them a certain level of expertise. Sure. You to kind of have your bachelor's degree in mm -hmm. REO, we're going to take you to graduate school. We're going to take you to the next level. Mm -hmm. Make you more business and show you how to run it at scale. That's what we do. So if you've got some more experience, you're free to apply. We actually track everything you've asked about. Okay. You know, cool. there, but I've got to be careful what I say outside the group. Yeah, yeah, I get Not it. Fair to the members. What, um, how long does it take to break out into the REO world? Like if somebody said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm certain that this is a space that I want to be in. I know it's important to my business long-term. Um, would, would you say a year, two years, three? I mean, what's the normal time frame? Um, it really going depends. From zero, going from zero. Going from zero. It really depends how aggressive the individual is and what type of budget they have. I've seen some people jump in and within six months, they had a couple listings and a few small accounts. Yep. Realistically, on average, I'd say it's probably about 18 months. Right. And you make it to 18 months, you got four or five accounts, they're each feeding you two or three listings a month. You know, you got 10, 12 listings a month coming in, you're doing 100 deals a year. 
then you can start expanding into the next level. Okay. But that's normally about 18 months. Got it. If I had to ballpark it. If you had to ballpark it. And then what's the, um, I mean, do you believe that this is the best opportunity for people or, I mean, like what's your opinion about the opportunity from zero to, to 18 months? Okay. That's kind of a really broad question. I know. I love it. You know, you're looking for a specific answer to a very vague question there. Um, REO is not right for anyone. I'll tell you something that's really interesting. Um, we polled the NRBA members years ago and about 40% of them were ex-military. Huh. We, we never planned that by the way. It's just, those are the people that were attracted to REO because you know, work for the banks in the military, do what you're told. Yep. Don't ask any questions and whatever happens, it's your fault. Okay. <laughs> That's working for a bank. Most people don't have the temperament. It's not like a regular deal. We can call the seller. Oh, I got an offer. Can I come by on Saturday? No. Everything with REO is timelines. Occupancies, 24 hours, 24 hours for this, 48 hours for this must be yep. done. Yep. And understand something on time is not on time. A yep. day early is on time because they have scorecards on you. Yeah. You better understand that. And most agents don't. Their time management skills aren't strong enough. The What's the scorecard? Like, talk to me about, like, if I got into REO, you, you wouldn't want to lose the business once you got into it. Um, what, what are the scorecards? What are the important things about the scorecards? Um, every client uses slightly different metrics. Um, but scorecards are timeframes. How long it took you to get them to BPO? How successful you were with the cash for keys? What was your final sales price to initial BPO price? It's all about timelines and they're all about performance nowadays. It's no longer about friends. I mean, right. honestly, 30 years ago, I made all my money drinking in bars with asset managers. Yeah. That's how I got all my accounts. Yep. Now it's all about performance. And on time is not on time. Early is on time. Right. Okay. And whatever you say, you, you're going to live and die by those numbers you quote. So you better be accurate. The other thing is you're going to deal with some pretty messed up people. The majority of people... See, it's not like it was years ago when we we're cleaning out crack houses and meth labs all the time and yeah. people were crazy. Yeah. After the crash, banks started giving five and ten, twenty thousand dollar cash for keys checks. Yeah. You know, it's not like we used to get shot at, which we did. Or you know, people threatened us all the time. Now yeah. they reach you at the door like you're Eddie McMahon from Publishers Clearinghouse. What kind of check am I getting? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's much easier because you know, when I started it was all male dominated. Now there's a lot of women in the industry, but it's not as dangerous as it was. Right. Right. But you're still going to run into some nutcases, you know, sovereign citizens. We have a lot of problem with them in different locations where we call in SWAT teams. You better have a thick skin and you better have the balls to walk up to a door and say, by the way, you're not going to live here anymore. So what's the crazy than that, obviously, and you try yeah. to help the people, but you better have a pair on you if you're going to do this business because you are going to get threatened and sometimes it's dangerous. What's the craziest story you have? in the REO world, like you personally went through? Oh, as far as violence? I don't know about violence. Uh, I'm just saying I'm crazy. Gonna, I'm gonna take the fifth on that because I'm not gonna admit what I had to do either. So I'm gonna leave that one alone. Okay. But crazy stuff. Oh, the funny stuff is been propositioned more times that I can count. Oh, please let me stay another month. Uh-huh. Um, can I pay you to stay? Um, we've had several members, hell, my daughter found a dead body, in one of her properties. Yeah. You know, you're going to see all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's never quite the same. The one thing you have to understand is if you want to talk to these people and you really do try to be affable and make it work for them. Like, look, I know this is a bad situation for you, Daniel. I'm going to try to help get you some money, help you move. It's a chance to start up with your life. Let me work with you. So we really do try. Right. Um, and that's really what you look to do. But some people are crazy and you're going to be threatened. Yep. You know, I got whacked upside the head with a tennis racket once, but it's crazy lady. Nice. Oh yeah. She went nuts on me. Nice. Um, so you're going to have issues like that. Um, most of us have had guns pulled on us. It does happen. Now that is not the norm and it's not anywhere near as bad as it used to be. Most sure. people, there's really no shame in being foreclosed on anymore. Everybody has. So they're much mellower about it. They also know they're going to get money. So they treat you much better. So it's not nearly as dangerous as it was years ago. Huh. But there's some weird stuff. Is the, is the REO market coming back in the next six months or a year? Or like when I say coming back, like um, where, where a good percentage of the homes sold are going to be somehow in the REO world? Um, it's already started. It's never going to be as severe as it was in 2007. I mean, everybody refer goes back to 2008. The market crashed in July of 2000. 
it actually peaked. If you look at the numbers, December of 06, because right. I had my first batch of REO in July of 07. I got 75 properties that month. Yep. That's where it started. Yep. Um, will it ever be that severe again? No. Back then, we were getting a lot of first payment defaults. Uh, people were buying new four and five new houses, never making a first payment because they got caught when the crash happened. But it is coming back and it's already started. Just depends where you are. Again, forget the national economy. You're in a bunch of micro economies. Not, they are influenced by the economic aspects nationally, but they're really local markets and it's being driven by population patterns. So it depends where you are, what you're seeing. It's interesting. Um, I think we're, we're, we're getting close to the end of this, our time together. You know, it's crazy. You'll love this story, Michael. My wife um, was eight months pregnant and she was my initial services person. So she was actually drilling locks and I sent her into the ghetto and she comes back to the office and she goes, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And she, you know, she's got a big old and she's drilling locks. And um, you know, that was that was the last time my wife worked in the REO space. Um, and I have, I just have a love for this business. I really appreciate you coming here today and sharing all your wealth of knowledge. Um, and I, I really, I really love, you know, just spending time with you and hearing your story. Well, thank you very much. You know, like I said, I'm retired. I want to see everybody be successful. Real estate is a fun business. And when you're making a ton of money, it's even more fun. Trust me on that one. Um, but yeah, we're here to help. Uh, if you need software, you really want to get an office or get your business up and running efficiently where you actually get to have a life. Yeah. Take a look at Rio Genesis. Um, what I'm probably proudest of is free broker school. Yeah. It's everything you want to know that no one else will ever teach you. And it's all the stuff I always wanted to say, but couldn't. <laughs> but and now I, you can. And now I can because yeah. I've understand, like I've spoken for all the majors as well. But you know, when you take a speaking gig and it could be a franchise or a title company, whatever the event is, you're kind of given a program of what you have to promote and push. Right. You don't realize that when you hear all these real estate speakers, they are given an agenda if yeah. they're at that event. Right. So it's really cool to be able to tell everybody how it really works and teach people things about real estate they, that no one else will ever teach them either because they don't want to share it. It's not in their best interest or because it's political suicide. They won't get another speaking gig. Yep. So I will warn you for the free broker school stuff. I'm assuming if you're watching it, you're a real estate agent, you're over 18, you can handle what I tell you, but it is the cold, honest, politically incorrect truth of how this business works. And honestly, forget, you know, a six figure producer. There isn't anybody who can't make a million a year in this business. If you know what you're doing, you just apply it. And I'm not even talking working more than 40 hours a week. That's crazy. You got to have a life, but anybody can do this if you just want it and you want to do it. So I put everything up there you'd ever need to know and more coming. I love it. Michael Crine, NRBA, founder, chairman, REO Genesis. I really appreciate your time today, man. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us and answering all these questions. The hard questions. Yeah, and if anybody has any questions, email me. You can find me, just Google me. I don't want to see anybody get screwed either, especially by the scams out there. So please feel free. All right, man. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks.